HeyYA is sponsored by Read Harder 2021. Book Riot's annual reading challenge is back. Once again, Read Harder 2021 has 24 tasks designed to help you break out of your reading bubble and expand your worldview through books. With new genres, new authors, and new points of view, the challenges will hopefully help you discover amazing books you may have otherwise not picked up. Read romance by a trans or non-binary author, non-European books in translation, mysteries for middle grade readers, and more in this year's challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash readharder to get the full challenge task list and to check out the prizing for those who complete the challenge. That's bookriot.com slash readharder. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Sarah Hannah Gomez, and we are recording on Friday, February 12th, 2021. How is it going? Oh, I am. I don't even know. I am. <laughs> I think I'm still a little out of it from mm. I got my vaccine now six days ago. And mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly I will take all vaccine reactions over like, oh, yeah. needing a respirator. But definitely, I think I like had some I'm very sniffly and um, a little dizzy. So mm. still totally pro vaccine, but yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, everything I've heard from folks who have gotten it is that there's been some side effects. For some people, it's been more severe than others. And so it's always good to hear people say that so that when others do get vaccinated, like they're prepared, like, you know, it's not going to be as bad as the virus itself by any means, but also like, maybe be kind to yourself for a few days afterward. Right. I mean, compared to I do really bad with the flu vaccine. So Mm. this is like way, way better. But definitely like, I feel like, you know, when you get up too fast, so your head spins for a second. I have like low grade head spinning. Ooh. <laughs> Still totally worth it. Everyone go get vaccinated, please. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag thanks, Pfizer. <laughs> I, I'm just laughing at like your low key getting up and getting slightly dizzy. It's like I'm in month eight of pregnancy. Like that's that's my life um, <laughs> right. at this point. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and, I mean, you get a baby out of it. I get hopefully you know, no virus. So we're both winning. (laughs) Yeah. Like superpowers, no matter what, right? Exactly. What have you been up to? I um, mostly have been reading. I've been reading a lot. And I finished my Audie's assignment, which is great. The category I'm in, they had a couple of books that I don't think belonged in that category. But I ended up liking them a whole lot. And like, I'm at that point now where it's like, I've been doing this for almost six months. So it's weird to be done and also be like, all right, so like, I have, you know, probably 100 audiobooks I can listen to now. Like, where do I start? I don't have to listen to any of them and rate them and, you know, think about what makes them better than another one in this category. It's like, no, you can just listen for enjoyment. What? I we know. can just make our own choices about reading? Oh, it's, I know. I know. So weird. So weird. <laughs> I'm really excited for this episode, and we're recording it. It'll come out after Valentine's Day, but I think in 
service of that as well as knowing that the third and final To All the Boys I Loved Before Netflix show is hitting this weekend. I think that we are on a topic that will be something people are looking for for a while. Definitely. It is a perpetual favorite for folks, I think. So Yeah. <laughs> Let's hit our first sponsor and then dive right in. Our first sponsor is Wings of Ebony by JL on sale now from Simon & Schuster Canada. What happens when you mix Black Panther with Cassandra Clare? You get Wings of Ebony, a riveting fantasy debut from author JL. Rue, a black teen from Houston, has her world upended when her mother is shot dead. She's then taken from her neighborhood by the father she never knew, forced to leave her little sister behind, and is whisked away to a hidden island of magic wielders where she learns the truth. Rue is a half-god, half-human, and it's up to her to save both worlds. This book is perfect for fans of Angie Thomas and Tomi Adeyemi, and it's a must-read. Available everywhere books are sold. That is Wings of Ebony by J.L., and I have heard nothing but great stuff about this book. I don't think I've heard of it at all, so... Really? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess maybe lots of titles swim together, but <laughs> yeah, no, now I have to look it up because... That sounds pretty great. <laughs> it gives me a little bit of like Rick Riordan vibes, like, but for YA readers. Yeah, that's true. And that's, I mean, I remember getting a lot of high schoolers who were kind of transitioning out of, you know, the Rick Riordan upper middle grade and into mm -hmm. like lower YA. And they were, yeah, they were like, give me more of these. And I was like, I mean, you can just read more like... <laughs> Rick Riordan, you're allowed to keep reading Percy yeah. Jackson. Oh, yeah. They're not going to take it away from you just because you're in high school. But also, yeah, having some that are about slightly older teens is only a good thing. Exactly. So our first topic is one that is a perpetual favorite, I think, of a lot of readers. And it's one that I think about a lot. I, I wrote a post in 2016 about... YA with little or no romance in it. And the list at that point, no surprise, is very, very white, as it was published before we started seeing way better representation in YA. But I'm going to link that in the show notes. And none of the titles that we talk about will cross over with that list. But I bring it up because it is a topic that comes up so much. People are looking for YA books that either have no romance at all or where romance is sort of a very, very, very like small subplot of the big story. And I'll just say like, as a reader, I don't mind romance in my YA at all. And I think that there is a lot of reality to teens and their hormones and falling in insta-like with somebody. But there are also a lot of teens who don't feel this way because they're discovering either that they're asexual or aromantic or because they're simply not interested. There are other things that are more important to them. So I know this subset of readers who are looking for these books simply want to read a book without romance because that's just something that they're not particularly interested in. And the ones I'm going to talk about, and I don't know about you, Hannah, but these are primarily little to no romance. I know at least one of them has a romance subplot I'm going to talk about a little bit, but these would be good to hand to readers who are like, I don't want romance. And they're going to get a really great story without that being a big central theme. Yeah, it's I mean, when I suggested this topic, it was because I like super mind romance in my mm -hmm. YA. I mean, until a few years ago, I think I was like a lot of readers, like kind of snobby about romance as a genre in general and did 
you know, kind of the same thing lots of people do with like, oh, it's so dumb. It's low quality. It's just for, you know, like that kind of reader or it's just for women. And we all know that women like there was a lot of misogyny and classism and Mm -hmm. tons of like isms and snobbery that I fully admit like I was maybe not like a vocal part of, but definitely had some of those ideas. And it was due in no small part to rioters but also elsewhere that I kind of changed my mind on the genre and just, you know, would like meet people at parties who wrote ram- romance and I'd be like, well, you're like hilarious and brilliant. So like, <laughs> of course I would want to read whatever you had to write. So, but I, I don't love romance in my YA. I think, you know, and it's not even like, I get why there's romance in there, mm-hmm. but for me, I guess, I think my orientation as a reader, I think there's to be like very binary for a second. There are two types of readers in the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think there are people who read for wish fulfillment and people who read for affirmation. There are tons mm-hmm. of other binaries and I could put on like my professor hat and talk about reader response theory <laughs> forever. And, you know, mirrors and windows, efferent versus aesthetic reading and just like what you're in the mood for on a particular day. But for me, the teen inside me who like very much wanted romance in her life like not asexual not a romantic but just didn't get any like you know i never had a date to a school dance no one asked me out in high school like that teen inside me every time she sees a romance subplot in ya is like oh god another another one you know <laughs> or like i really hate the trope of like i'm so jaded about love and then like i meet a quirky boy who changes my mind or a quirky girl it's always <laughs> someone quirky or broken mm-hmm. but Yeah, like that bothers me just as much like when, you know, and I would hate that in real life when someone would be like, oh, well, that wasn't a real relationship, you know, and I'd be like, no, I don't know, actually, because it does count when you've had nothing. (laughs) Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, your silly, you know, relationship in high school that you retrospectively view as silly, like, I didn't get that. So I think... I don't love seeing romance in my YA because I feel unseen, I think is probably what it comes down to. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And I do wonder how many readers for whom that is true, that that's part of the real interest in these books is it's like, it is part of an experience that so many have and yet... It can be cliche that, you know, every YA book has a romance or that there's always a happily ever after. And it's like, well, that's not real in real life. So why would it be real in fictional life? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Insta like totally like that, you know, makes sense biologically and culturally. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the whole like eventually things will work out. I'd be like, but it but it didn't for me. Like. (laughs) I want I want my high school self to be like, yep, even for fictional characters, sometimes it just sucks <laughs> and they go to prom alone and not by choice. It's the whole like there are people who are single by choice and happy about it and mm-hmm. they try to tell other single people that like that's fine and then smug marrieds also try to tell single people that they're fine and I'm like, no, some of us are like <laughs> not enjoying being right. single. So right. I'm happy for you, but I'm not happy for me. 
Shall we uh, dive right in? Yes. <laughs> I'm really excited about these books. I am. Um, like I said, I always keep notes. Like I I use our Book Riot like reading spreadsheet and there's a section at the very end for notes and it's like I write down anything like keyword-wise that I think a reader might want in a book and so like it was fun to go through the last few years and like pull up no romance or little romance and so the first one I've got is a book that came out last year that I just adore and it's Watch Over Me by Nina LaCour it is a short little gem and like LaCour's other books it's this really powerful look at grief loss and loneliness while also digging into what it means to carry ghosts around with you and what happens when you allow those ghosts to befriend you rather than haunt you. So the story follows 19-year-old Mina, who has just aged out of the foster care system, and she takes a job on a remote Northern California farm. It's here where she begins to be haunted by the traumas of the farm's young residents, including one of the children that she's helping to teach. And over the course of the story, she comes to understand what it really means to grieve and also what it means to find a home. It's this beautiful blend of realistic and fantastical. And it's the kind of ghost story I love because it's a ghost story about our own personal ghosts. And again, no romance in this one. Um, It's very centered on Mina and her coming to terms with grief and what it is to be alone. And that is Watch Over Me by Nina LaCour. So my first book is The Good Luck Girls by Charlotte Nicole Davis. And we have talked often about how we don't much care for series, either of us, because we (laughs) don't want to not finish things. But I'm glad I didn't wait on this book. But I also am like, sequel now, 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 now. So it's kind of Firefly meets the best little whorehouse in Texas. Or even there was a Firefly episode that was basically that. (laughs) But it's about five girls who live in this – it's like a fantasy Wild West kind of world. And they work at what they call a welcome house. And they are trapped there, not just because, you know, like teenage girls, especially girls of color, you know, kind of can get trapped easily. I'm really excited to watch Framing Britney Spears for this same trope, but in real life. But they also have tattoos that are, you know, kind of magic tattoos that will burn if they, you know, kind of leave the house and go too far for too long. Sort of like a, you know, invisible fence or whatever for dogs. (laughs) But then one girl, like on her first first night, which means, you know, like people pay extra, she accidentally murders a guy. So now all five girls are like, we need to get out like it's a good excuse but also it's like a you know (laughs) a safety thing so it's this like adventure to safety and they're all just hoping that this sort of myth that they've heard of of like a a woman who you know kind of is the, the harriet tubman i guess of the world who can help them get out of their country and into one where they'll be safe in the meantime there's like these like kind of ghostly evil like hellhoundy type things after them and just like a posse of people trying to get them back it's really hard to explain it is a wild ride but it is so good like i it took a couple chapters to get into it but then i couldn't put it down and yeah it's just strong black brown and white girls who are saving each other and themselves and 
It's, I mean, the scary stuff is legitimately scary. The tattoo idea is so great. Their personalities are fun. So, yeah, highly recommend. And I'm going to ask Charlotte Nicole Davis, please write that sequel faster. And that's the good luck girls. <laughs> I think it comes out this summer, maybe early fall. Like, it's coming. Ah, <gasps> oh, yes. Yeah. Because that's yeah. the other thing. We get used to sequels, you know, on that, like, 12-month schedule. And then if something doesn't come out in 12 months, I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's coming, though, I promise. Sweet. My next pick is Spin by Lamar Giles. And I am just so blown away by the range Giles has in his writing. And Spin is this really fabulous thriller slash mystery without romance. It's a story about a murdered DJ and her two closest friends slash fans who at the time of her death were kind of on the outs with her. And it's a book about police brutality, black justice, and racial inequality in the media. I'm, I'm purposely being a little bit dodgy here because this is a mystery and I don't want to give away too much of the book. But it reminded me a bit of Tiffany D. Jackson's Monday's Not Coming and it plays into the roles of social media and technology and also the dark web. So if you're listening to this and you're like, that's a lot of stuff, it is a lot of stuff, but the way it's blended together is genius. The twists here are solid and compelling, and both Kaya and Fuse, who are the two lead characters and have alternating points of view, have these really great voices. And that is Spin by Lamar Giles. I'm really excited about that. He's He does have a wide range. It's great. Yeah, it's like, I think this is the first one I read by him. And then I went back and read a whole bunch more because I was like, I didn't know what to expect. And mystery thriller is not usually my genre, like first genre I gravitate toward. And after I read that, I was like, okay, I'm going to pick up another one of his books. And it's like, it was so different. I was like, this is impressive. Like, I love an author who, I love an author who's great at their genre, but also one who like, clearly can write across genres, no problem. Yes. Oh, okay. So my next my next pick is a polarizing one. It's The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. <laughs> I, like many people, was like, this is not something we wanted or needed or asked for when the announcement came out that she was writing anything back in Pan Am. And then when it was announced that it was about President Snow as a teenager. And that was, I think, around the time that Joker came out and everyone was like, mm. can we stop having these sad origin stories like for sociopaths? <laughs> like, you know, we don't need to keep excusing them. But I was curious enough to pick it up and I forgot, like, Suzanne Collins can write. I was, it was a time when I was like just not in a big in a good reading space like I had been having trouble staying engaged in anything and I just flew through this her I forgot how good her writing is and what I thought she did well was not making this a redemption arc a pre-redemption arc for Snow but it does show him as a person so, you know, he's kind of like from a, a once a once well-to-do family that now is really just hanging on to its name but has no money. And it's, you know, near the beginning of the Hunger Games and there's been so few that instead of mentors being, you know, previous winners from the districts, it's all like well-off kids from the capital who are mentors. So which makes it kind of more vicious because they're like rich kids who can just use these like poor people as playthings. 
And it is, I mean, like, the tech isn't where it, you know, is later with Katniss, so it's a lot grittier and uglier, and everyone is still a little bit like, why are we doing this? And I thought it was really compelling. And you see throughout that he has this tiny bit of, like, well, I want this girl to, like, stay alive, but it's so he can win a scholarship, you know, not because it has anything to do with, like, this, you know, kid who is his peer. (laughs) It's about, you know, him getting glory, and they do kind of work together to kind of come up with methods and stuff. They have what seems like a much longer training, um, you know, session before the games than in the the Katniss games. But it also shows him, like, the way he essentially just chooses white supremacy over and over again and chooses male supremacy over and over again and chooses, you know, class supremacy. And it doesn't excuse it. It, like, gives you more context, but I think Collins did a really good job of not making it like, well, he can't help it because that's just all he knows. It's like, well, no, he still makes very calculated choices. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I thought it was just really, really compelling that, yeah, she managed to give us more depth to his character so that he's not just this, like, cartoonishly evil person. But it didn't excuse him either. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good. I read it mostly to hate it. And then I was like, oh, man, like, <laughs> this is actually good. So for people who are willing to give it a try, that's The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the Hunger Games prequel by Suzanne Collins. I haven't read it yet, but I think you sold me to move it up on my list. My next pick is a book that just came out. It's 30 Talks Weird Love by Alessandra Narvaez Varela. And it was published by Cinco Puntos Press. And I haven't seen a whole lot of attention about it. But it's a book I keep thinking about. And I definitely wanted to talk about here. So it's set in Ciudad Juarez in 1999. And it follows 13-year-old Anna Maria, who runs into her 30-year-old self while at the movies, changing her pad in the bathroom. She's super annoyed and suspicious. Like, how could this 30-year-old be her? And in a community where girls regularly go missing, she's starting to worry that this 30-year-old version of her may not be who she claims to be. The book is written in a combination of Spanish and English, and it's a verse novel, and it's a super hard-edged story about female friendship, about the challenges of being the quote-unquote best, and also about experiencing and understanding depression and living in a reality where the safety, like where safety is a constant concern. So setup is super fascinating and watching Anna Maria get to know her 30 year old self is something else. Like imagine meeting your 30 year old self when you're 13 and you're like, wow, um, that wasn't what I was expecting at all. And yet 30-year-old Anna Maria is able to really give some thoughtful ways of dealing with her 13-year-old self-situation right now. And there is a lot packed into this teeny tiny little verse novel about so much going on at this time in history, in this place in history, and in this community at this time, which... Just like stuff I didn't know, stuff I hadn't thought about. And then again, I I continue to think about this book and like, what would it be like for me to meet my 60-year-old self right now? And how would I react to that? It might be a little different than me at 13 meeting my 30-year-old self. 
and that is 30 Talks Weird Love by Alessandra Narvaez Varela. Well, if you want to know about meeting your 60-year-old self, I have a movie for you that I can tell you all about. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's called uh, Dona da Historia. Um, it's a Brazilian movie, which um, sort oh. of is like the the owner of her story, I guess is the most literal translation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's about a couple who, you know, they are each other's grand love story. And but now they're getting divorced. And now the woman like kind of walks in on her younger self Ooh. in the bathroom and is like, maybe you should have made different choices, blah, blah, blah. And Ooh. the guy who plays the young version of her husband is super hot. I had such a crush on him in high school, thanks to this movie. Because this movie's probably like 15, 20 years, 15 years old or so. But it's great. I'll put it in the show notes. And it is available, yeah. you know, with English subtitles. So highly recommend. It's great. My next pick is Unpregnant by Jenny Hendricks and mm. Ted Kaplan. I know it's a movie now on HBO Max, and I'm very excited to watch it because the second I finished it, I was like, well, mm. this is going to be a movie in like five yeah. seconds. And then I looked up the cover because I was reading it you know, as an arc on my Kindle and was like, oh, it's already like mm-hmm. the cover already has like soon to be a motion picture. So it's it's so easy to tell why when you read it. It was one I read literally in one sitting. I was just it was rainy and I went inside a bar to get like a burger and fries and just sat there alone (laughs) eating my burger and just flying through this book. So it's about um, Veronica Clark, who is kind of, you know, this girl who's living the romantic teenage girl with a boyfriend life that I wanted as a teenager. And she's in the bathroom taking a pregnancy test and it's positive. And all of a sudden her like ex-best friend looks over at her and now Veronica's like, well, crap, like this girl who is like we had a falling out now knows like my biggest secret. And she lives um, somewhere in the Midwest. I don't remember where. So the closest place she can legally get an abortion without her parents' permission is like a thousand miles away. And so this ex-friend, Bailey, and her decide to drive all the way there. Like, So it's a road trip novel, but with two girls who have like one very specific purpose, but have a lot of stops to make along the way because you can't drive that all in one night. <laughs> so oh, it's so funny and heartfelt. And I think it does a really good job with like the sociopolitical elements of, you know, teenagers and birth control and pregnancy and reproductive rights. And yeah, I think anytime you can make something like serious be funny without like insulting the seriousness i think is it's really impressive by how well it does that and it's a little goofy but i think the goofiness probably works really well for the movie so that's unpregnant by jenny hendrix and ted kaplan i love that book and i i remember when i finished it i was like how is a book about abortion so funny and yet they they make it work so well because it's also like it is a gut punch. You're like, okay, but this is real. And also it's funny. But like that funniness doesn't detract from the seriousness of what the book is trying to accomplish. So I was like, this is such a great, such a great read. And I too, I haven't watched the film yet, but I'm really excited too. Oh, we might have to do a watch party or something. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
My next pick is another one that just came out, and it's Muted by Tammy Charles. And I'm going to start with my second reference to Tiffany D. Jackson for this episode. But if you liked Grown, you'll want Muted on your radar as well. It's a book told in verse, and it's about 17-year-old Denver and her two best friends who love to sing and have their own girl group. They're super desperate to get noticed by this guy named Sean Mercury Ellis, who's this big shot in the R&B world. And when it happens, they cannot believe their luck. Of course, you know what's going to happen here. It's not all roses. Mercury takes advantage of these teen girls, their potential stardom, and ultimately their lives. So I was super into the premise from the start, but Charles makes some really bold and uncomfortable choices in her storytelling throughout that made it a real knockout of a read. And this is the book I referenced earlier that there is some romance in here, but it's not what you'd expect. Instead, it's this really thoughtful exploration of Denver having this crush on her best friend and the complex and complicated curves of discovering and identifying her sexuality and where that then intersects with their best friendship. So there's not romance romance, but there is talk of what a romantic relationship may or may not look like. And that is Muted by Tammy Charles. My last pick is Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. Mm -hmm. So this is another one that just I ate up as soon as it came out. And I wrote a paper on it, actually. It was really fun. Grad school is great because you can legitimize pretty much any topic as a paper. (laughs) (laughs) So it's about a girl named Jane who was born during the Civil War. And during the Civil War, after Gettysburg, the dead rose back up and everyone realized that there was something going on because now there's a bunch of zombies. And so she, because she's black, ends up being pushed into a boarding school where um, black and native girls are sent. And it's sort of like a finishing school, but combat training. And the idea is that these girls then are sent out to be like ladies maids to white girls and serve as essentially maids and bodyguards because they know how to fight off shamblers, which is the word for zombies in the book. But Jane is, you know, this really headstrong girl who knows that, you know, she is her own person and deserves better than to be a maid or a bodyguard, especially forcibly. So she really wants to go home and, you know, kind of forge her own adult life. But she kind of accidentally witnesses something. And then she and another girl from her school are sent away. And they realize when they arrive in this new town, that there's something fishy about the shamblers and the ways that she and the other um, Native and Black people are being sent to essentially like a great wall to fight them off. So the book does amazing stuff, um, not just with like, you know, world building. It is a really great built world. And Jane is really funny and smart. But it deals with a lot of like medical ethics and ethics in general and like kind of body autonomy. And it's just so smart. And yeah, for all that it is, it deals with like a lot of like very cerebral (laughs) and smart things. It still just flies by. It has a really great plot. There are jokes and it is just, oh, it's such a good read. Everyone needs to read it if they haven't already. 
And at this moment, the sequel's already out, so people can just go and you know read them both really quickly together. So that's Dried Nation by Justina Ireland. Do you want to hit our next sponsor? And then we'll move into the next topic, which is equally as fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So our second sponsor today is Holiday House, publisher of Fat Chance Charlie Vega by Crystal Maldonado. So Charlie Vega is a lot of things. Smart, funny, artistic, fat. People sometimes have a problem with that last one. Charlie wants a good relationship with her body, but it's hard. And her mom leaving weight loss shakes on her dresser doesn't help. The world and everyone in it have ideas about what she should look like. Smaller, whiter. So when Charlie starts her first relationship with a cute boy, everything is perfect until she learns he asked her straight-sized BFF out first. Is she his second choice or what? Does he even see her? Because it's time people did. And that is Fat Chance, Charlie Vega by Crystal Maldonado. And we have an extra credit episode you did with Crystal, so people should go check that out. Yeah, I love this book. If you're looking for fat positivity, this is a great, great pick. So do you want to introduce our next topic? Yes. So this is where I humble myself because now we're going to talk about romance in YA, (laughs) which I'm like, I don't believe in romance. This is kind of like how I don't care for animals at all. But I do have like three animal friends where I'm like, you can't tell the other animals, but you're okay. So (laughs) this is where I'm like, well, I don't really like romance in my YA, but but you're okay. You can stay. Just don't tell anyone. And now I'm telling everyone. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to go first? Sure. So I, um, before diving in, want to note ahead of time, I think my picks all fall under capital R romance as a label um, in that they feature happily ever after or happily for now. Um, But in the event they don't, because sometimes my memory fails me, especially with pregnancy brain, know that these all have significant romance plots and uh, that drives the story forward. Likewise, a lot of the books I'm going to talk about are straight relationships, but it doesn't mean that the characters are all straight. I should say heterosexual relationships, but not all of the characters are straight. And also, it's not representative of how much awesome queer romance there is now and how much is coming out this year. Like it is impressive when I put together the book list of like what's coming out seeing so much of it I'm like finally like we're turning a you know turning a page here and seeing like the reality of our world now in our fiction as well so my first pick is Rent a Boyfriend by Gloria Chow and it follows a girl named Chloe who hires Andrew to come with her at Thanksgiving and play the role of her boyfriend. So hint, hint, if you like fake dating, this is one. Uh, She hopes that she can convince her parents that she's found a good person to be with who isn't the boy her parents have been attempting to arrange her with. But while building a collection of lies starts to weigh heavily on Chloe over the next few months, including those that she's told to her parents, those that are told to her by her parents, and then uh, she wrestles with what to do when... Uh, She has real feelings for this boy that she rented for this purpose. And it's this great fake dating trope story woven into a story of generational cultural differences. And it balances perfectly being cute and humorous and has a ton of meat on the bones. And I know readers are always looking for like holiday stories. This one starts at Thanksgiving. You get Christmas and then you also get Lunar New Year in here as well. So you get this nice range of holidays woven into the story. And that is Rent a Boyfriend by Gloria Chow. 
My first pick is Go With the Flow by Lily Williams and Karen Schneeman. And this book is pretty, I mean, I guess it's now a year old, but I didn't hear about it until like three weeks ago. And then I immediately got it from the library and read it in almost one sitting. I think I got up to eat. So it's this lovely graphic novel about four high school sophomores who um, one girl is new at school. And, you know, of course, like any any new kid in any book or movie, she has like a really embarrassing first few days at school, including a sort of carry incident, (laughs) except it's not as violent. So these other three girls are like, oh, come with us to the bathroom. Like, we will we will help you out. You can tie this sweater around your waist, you know. And one of them goes to the pad and tampon machine in the bathroom and it's empty. And they're like, oh, my God, like every bathroom in this school is always missing these things. Also, why do we have to pay for them? Like it's, you know, boys don't have to pay to use their bathrooms. Why do we have to? And, you know, it's just kind of like one of those like minor perpetual annoyances. And then they're like, well, but no, this isn't minor and it shouldn't be a perpetual annoyance. So... You know, they start to kind of talk about it more and more. And for one of the friends in particular, who is an artist and really likes statement art, which is why I think this is a great read-alike for the Plain Janes, for people who like that Mm. and other sort of art bombing and activist art stories. She decides she's getting ready for like a big art show anyway, that she should start making a statement about how the school is not providing this basic thing that people need. It's not, you know, a choice. It's not a luxury item, even though it's taxed that way. And her friends are like, dude, like, we agree. But this is like, please ask us before you kind of like, (laughs) say that we have co-signed these activities. (laughs) And so there's a little tension there where they're like, we believe in everything you're doing. But also, we don't necessarily want to be like the faces of this fight, because, you know, they're not sure if they want to be that way. But they do go to their principal to talk about it. And of course, he's like, there's no money. And they're like, really? Because there's some new sports uniforms out there. So Mm -hmm. it sounds like there is. But yeah, so that's the main thread of the story. But at the same time, the new girl has, you know, just she's like getting to know people at school. And there's this boy who they're going to be partners in class, um, you know, on some science experiments. And he's like very awkwardly trying to, you know, figure out a way to ask her out or at least like indicate that he likes her and she's super awkward and just like misses all the signals (laughs) and then so they have this like sort of slow burn romance and it's not this like passionate thing it's this slow burn crush and it really i think does a great job of showing just that whole like a lot of people just miss each other because they're so bad at communicating that they don't actually get to the romance end So I feel like it's a really, like, hard-won and well-earned romance in the end. And she doesn't, like, abandon her friends once she gets a boyfriend, which is really important to me to see in romance. And it's just – it's so sweet. And it's also just, like, really, really feminist and activist and inspiring. And it's – the art is really fun. And it's all washed in this sort of red, of course. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. And that is Go With the Flow by Lily Williams and Karen Schneeman. Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe is my next pick. And this may be my favorite read of 2021 so far. It follows Chinese-American Lily as she starts to fall for Kath, who is white, during the 1950s in San Francisco, which is an era of change and upheaval and an era where the Reds 
Gear still emerges to put those who are quote-unquote other into their places. This book is told in a few timelines, and it's a family story about immigration post-Chinese exclusion and about the realities of being called a communist, as well as the ways in which living up to parental and cultural expectations in a changing world means putting your true self in the dark sometimes. It's just brilliant. It's this brilliant story of two girls finding each other and tele- the Telegraph Club in the title is a lesbian nightclub and Lily and Kath use it as sort of a way to be with one another when they can't be with one another. And it's also where they build this incredible found family. And everything about this book from the setting to the inclusion of politics at the time to also this just like love story this romance at the very heart is so smart and savvy as soon as I finished it I was so glad to see that Lo had written a really extensive author's note in the back and I highly recommend reading it because it's packed with all kinds of historical context that adds even more depth to the story and I I have always liked Melinda Lowe's work, but it was so cool to see her tell this historical romance um, after writing a number of science fiction books as well as fantasy books. And if you haven't yet, grab it. That is Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe. So my next pick is, I think, the most romancy. It is it is the most like not anything I pick up book ever. It's like <laughs> cheerful. The cover is just these like candy bubblegum colors of you know yellow and pink and green and like everything in it was like not me because I'm very like sadness and gloom. It's I'll Be the One by Lila Lee. Mm. It's I mean, don't get me wrong. I also I saw it and was like, this cover is beautiful, but it also signals mm-hmm. things that I'm not interested in. Then I read the summary and was like, oh, well, my teen self is very interested in a teenage girl who's like auditioning to be on, you know, a superstar, like become the next star type of show. So I picked it up for that. And I ended up loving the romance in it, too. So it's about a girl named Sky who is auditioning for a make you know turn into a K-pop star show. And she's auditioning for the dance side and the singing side. And when she auditions for the dance side, everyone's like, "Yeah, but you're fat." And she's like, "Uh-huh, but look at me." And they're like, "Yeah, no, you're a legit good dancer, but you're fat." And she's like, "Yeah." And is not going to take, you know, any of their criticisms at all cuz she knows she's a good dancer and a good singer. And she ends up getting on the show and, you know, there's kind of this thread of like maybe they're just setting it up to, you know, make her out to be the fat girl who can't make it. Maybe they're hoping she'll lose weight. Her mother is certainly hoping she'll lose weight. But she's like, nope, I'm just going to do my thing. So when she's in, you know, these practices, a, you know, big Instagram influencer walks in and she's like, oh, my God, this guy's on the show. All of the girls are instantly like, ah! god and henry is just kind of like "Uh uh-huh so here i am is a little uncomfortable with being an influencer and sky is kind of like yeah that's cool but anyway i'm here to be a star and of course they end up getting to know each other they're like partnered in a dance and you know start to kind of fall for each other but also start to be really good friends um and oh i just i loved every second she's such a great narrator 
it's oh, it's just so much fun from start to finish. And I just love that, you know, she's fat, she's bisexual, she doesn't care what anybody thinks, even kind of Henry until, you know, the crush really starts to burn. And then, you know, of course, you always care what your crush thinks, but <laughs> she's not really interested in anybody's input on her body. So, yeah. Oh, if you hate romance, pick it up anyway. If you love romance, mm-hmm. it hits all the spots. It really, oh. I loved it so much. That's I'll Be the One by Lila Lee. It was funny because when we were talking about the show and what we wanted to talk about, Hannah was like, I need to talk about this book. You can't talk about it. And I was like, that's fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But also, I loved it. It was such a treat of a read. And I remember I read it last year at a point during the pandemic and being inside where I was just like, I'm so tired of this. And this book was just like, a warm hug, to use an Eric Smith expression. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, yeah, that is the perfect book to attach an Eric Smithism to. <laughs> so my next pick is Ten Blind Dates by Ashley Elston. And I know I've talked about this one on the show before, but I wanted to talk about it again because there's a companion novel to this little gem hitting shelves in spring. I think it's in May. Anyway, this is a story about a giant Sicilian family who meddles a bit too much in one another's business, but does so because they love each other so much. And in this book, they're desperate to help Sophie, who has just broken up with her boyfriend. And it's the Christmas break. They want her to be happy. So... Each family member decides to set her up on a blind date during this Christmas break. And while the romance is in the story matters and is really, really central to it, it pairs so perfectly with the fun and caring and committed family who is also, like, admittedly a little out there. I loved Sophie's relationship with all of her family members, especially her older sister who is not at this Christmas break. She is on the other side of the state because she is currently in the hospital while waiting to give birth to her first child. There's so much personality in this, both from the family members who set up the dates as well as the dates themselves. Some of them go well, some of them go just terribly. And throughout the whole thing, you can't help but just fall in love with both sides of of what's going on. And when I finished it, it kind of struck me as the book that would pair really well with Jenny Han's To All the Boys series with how it weaves family and romance so seamlessly. And that is Ten Blind Dates by Ashley Elston. My next pick is Hearts Unbroken by Cynthia Lydic-Smith. I read this, mm. I think, right around the time it came out in 2018. And, oh. I there's so many things to love. Of course, me being me, I think the political <laughs> bits were the most interesting mm-hmm. to me. But there is also a nice romance. And it really, I think, is one of those romances I like, or at least tolerate because it feels earned. Um, you have Louise, who her first boyfriend, she dumps after he says some really horrible things about Native Americans. She's Muskogee. Although I would hope that, you know, anyone would dump someone for saying horrible racist things, Mm -hmm. even if it's not about that race. So she dumps him over email, which is cold, and I love it. And because it's her senior (laughs) year, she's like, well, F all of this. I'm just going to work on being, like, the best high school journalist there is, and I'm just going to finish this and then get out of Dodge and start my cool college life. And there's a new photojournalist in town, in school, named Joey. And they end up getting paired together. And she's a little like, I guess I'll give this a try. 
And it turns out that they conveniently are given a huge scandal to start covering because the school musical has decided to kind of colorblind and genderblind cast the school musical, The Wizard of Oz. And there's now a group called Parents Against Revisionist Theater, which is just like the most <laughs> ridiculous. Like I love I love the name because it's just so silly and yet so what lots of people would like to start. Mm -hmm. So yeah, now all of a sudden they have this ongoing scandal to cover. And meanwhile, she's just also trying to like live her life and just be the best journalist she can be. And she has to deal with this on a personal level, too, because her brother was cast in this show. And, you know, he's one of the people that essentially these parents are arguing shouldn't be in it because that's revisionist theater to have a Native American person play a Tin Man. Because, you know, that's not accurate for a Tin Man. <laughs> this is like when people talk about historical accuracy and you're like, really? Mermaids and talking snowmen are historically accurate? Like, calm down. <laughs> but yeah, so I love that. Like it's it's hilarious to me, but it's obviously a very, you know, real issue. And I think that's what Cynthia does really well. It's like she she captures the sort of like ridiculosity of a lot of racism, but also the gravity of it. And um meanwhile, you know, the more time they spend together, Louise and Joey start to maybe think of each other as more than just colleagues. So <laughs> Yeah, it is another well-earned romance, and there's still a lot of other stuff going on. So I think that's what made me like it. And that is Hearts Unbroken by Cynthia Lydic-Smith. So I wanted to talk about a book that's coming out I haven't read yet, but it's Jay's Gay Agenda by Jason June. It's out June 1st, and it's the first in a duology. And it looks like the kind of book that would be the perfect read-alike to Lev Rosen's books Camp or Jack of Hearts and other parts. And I'm going to read the little blippity blip blurb. There's one thing Jay Collier knows for sure. He's a statistical anomaly as the only out gay kid in his small rural Washington town. While all his friends can't stop talking about their heterosexual hookups and relationships, Jay can only dream of his own first, compiling a romance to-do list of all the things he hopes to one day experience, what he calls his gay agenda. Then against all odds, his family moves to Seattle and Jay starts his senior year at a new high school with a thriving LGBTQIA community. And for the first time ever, Jay feels like he's found where he truly belongs, where he can flirt with very sexy boys and search for love. But as Jay begins crossing items off his list, he'll soon be torn between his heart and his hormones, his old friends and his new friends, because after all... Life and love don't always go according to plan. This is from debut novelist Jason June. It's a compelling and hilarious sex-positive story about the complexities of first love, first hookups, and first heartbreaks. It sounds so good. That is Jay's Gay Agenda by Jason June. And again, that's out June 1st. So my last pick today is Daughters of Jubilation by Carolee Corthran. Um, I will warn people, this is, this is a heavy book. There is some violence. But oh, it's also just really beautiful. Starting with the cover, I picked it up because of the cover. Not ashamed to admit it. <laughs> oh, it has this beautiful color so and like this gorgeous girl who I wish my curls looked like that when I messed them up, but they don't. So um, I think the easiest thing for this one, rather than me making a mess of the summary, is also to read the cover flap. So 
In the Jim Crow South, white supremacy reigns and tensions are high, but Eveline Deschamps has other things to worry about. She has two little sisters to look after, an overworked single mother, and a longtime crush who is finally making a move. On top of that, Evie's magic abilities are growing stronger by the day. Her family calls it jubilation, a gift passed down from generations of Black women since the time of slavery. And as Evie's talents waken, something dark comes loose and threatens to resurface. When the demons of Evie's past finally shake free, she must embrace her mighty lineage and summon the power that lies within her. So this book is heavy, as I mentioned. It's definitely (laughs) not the easiest read, but the romance elephant... (laughs) The Romance Elephant. elephant. (laughs) Oh, that's the show title right there. Romance Elephant. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Element. I don't even know. My coffee clearly is still in my stomach and not my bloodstream. (laughs) The Romance Elephant and also Element (laughs) is beautiful. I yeah, so it's definitely one of those like we've both been kind of, you know, looking at each other for a long time and neither of us made a move and now they're making a move and it is kind of like instant can't be away from each other like kind of reminds me if anyone is a Buffy fan of the few episodes where Buffy and Riley have just gotten together and can't keep their hands off of each other. That's kind of the vibe you get here. But it's also like summer and she's trying to you know, earn some money, which means she's working for this woman who is, you know, kind of a white woman who sees it as I'm doing you a favor by letting you work for me. And then she is now being stalked by a guy and he's talking to her like they've known each other for years and she has no idea who he is. And she's really freaked out. And her mother is like, I know who this is, but I can't tell you. And her mother is clearly like very shaken by this. So there's a lot of serious stuff going on here. A lot of racial violence, both physical and verbal. But if that's like readable to people, I do think like the romance is really, really gorgeous. I actually really love that they're like can't keep our hands off each other because we don't get that much like sex positive and passionate YA I feel like I don't know it's it's a quality I can't quite like they don't have these big conversations about like are you my one true love must we have roses and flowers for you know and chocolate for our first time it's very like yeah we're gonna be safe but like this is what we want to do so we're gonna do it and I really like that so um yeah it's oh it's a beautiful read beautiful cover Really tough stuff. She has some trauma that she kind of unlocks, and that sort of further unlocks her powers. And you realize that jubilation is a power that enslaved women kind of developed to be able to get through all of the atrocities they were living, not just because of enslavement, but because of specifically being women who were enslaved and the sexual violence that often took place between master and slave. So that's Daughters of Jubilation by Carolee Corthran. And that will wrap up our show. Thank you for tuning in this week. As always, we really do like your feedback. If you have something positive to say, go ahead and drop it on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing and it will help other people find us. Don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts, all things bookish, including our insiders program. Thank you to today's sponsors for making the show possible, and thanks to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen, and Hannah, where can people follow you? 
I'm on Twitter and Instagram as shgmclicious, as well as on Instagram again as bookishgirlfit. And we will talk to you all again in two weeks. Happy reading. Happy reading.